right, so look, what I wanted to do is I want to go through step by step of what a lot of people are struggling with, right? And I want to talk about the biggest investment. And a lot of people think that the biggest investment that you can ever make, and this is a hidden secret. It's not really a hidden secret. I, I you know, once I say it, you're gonna be like, oh my, yeah, it makes sense. So if I was to ask everybody what was the best investment that you can possibly make, a lot of people will start saying, well, hey, the stock market. Some people are gonna say uh, forex. Some people are gonna say, uh, what's that, Bitcoin? Some people are gonna say real estate, and all of that. They say everything but people. And the crazy thing is, if I sound, if I said, hey, I want to invest in the you, I want to, you know, buy you, that kind of sounds like slavery. So I guess why people stick away from it. But I want to break down why um, most of the Fortune 500 companies realize that, or the Fortune 50 companies and the Fortune 100, the top 100 companies in the world, um, and growing companies realize that investing in people. Um, what's the best and biggest and most profitable investment in the world, right? Because you could take real estate, you could take, you know, even if you took a $100,000 house and flipped it and sold it for $400,000, right? You got four times its value, which is good. That's cool, right? Um, that's not average. You're not going to always get four times the value on that. So it's not duplicatable um, or replicatable, whatever. So you can't duplicate those numbers over and over and over. The only thing when it comes to investments that you can kind of guarantee a duplication is when you build out a position and excuse me, and then you realize what you want to sell that position for. So I want to kind of go back. I'm going to talk about that. And I'm going to also talk about, um, you know, how to map and build your credit out to get to where you need to invest to and make sure that you get a return on that. So if it sounds good, I got some ones. I see some Virginia Beach. I see some people. So we only got people for, okay, Atlantic City, Fort Lewis. That's what I'm talking about. Orlando. What's going on, neighbor? I'm your neighbor now. So, um, yeah, that's dope. So that's what I'm talking about. All right. So look, when it comes to a position, when it comes to buying your business, right? We always talk about build, organize, document, delegate, build, organize, document, delegate. Um, you have to do that. So now let's talk about building a position. So when you are opening a restaurant, you open a tax company, you open a credit repair company. The first thing that you need to do is find out what you're selling. Did you know that most of these people that's in these free groups, this is why this is not a free one, right? Because I want to make sure that the information here is going to be good. It's not going to be like the free group information where people who are just starting becoming the experts, giving you stuff that they read from somebody who haven't even tested it. Everything that I talk about is tested here. So I want to make sure that you guys are learning from experience. You're learning from my experiences, my um, what worked and what, what I, where I failed at. Now, when you build out the position, you got to find out. Most people fail because they don't find out. They don't know how to prioritize their money source. Now, if I was to ask you right now, where is the bulk of your money coming from? You know, how are you going to prioritize that? And this is where a lot of people fail. They come in and they say, hey, I'm going to start a credit repair company. Right. And then they put all of those investments there. Things are going all right. They might get 10 clients, 20 clients. And then they get to a point where it's like, hmm, so they start posting in groups. And then all of a sudden they become, um, you know, people, of course, going to hit them up and say, hey, do you mentor or do you know, can you help me with this? So now you've positioned yourself a lot higher than where you really are. So now you got to play the role. So a lot of people, what they do is they start saying, hey, I want to be a coach now. The reason why they want to do that is because, yeah, these 20 clients are cool. I'm gaining, but dang, I hate these braces. I don't have enough revenue to sustain where I'm at now. Even though I know it's a building stage, I don't have the revenue to sustain where I'm at now. So I'm going to start taking on coaching clients, right? 
So they start taking on coaching clients and then they start taking on more coaching clients. And then they realize, man, getting these coaching clients are a lot easier because there's always somebody popping up in the credit repair group that's brand new, that don't know any better and they'll buy anything. So that's now they start focusing on that. What they did there is they start neglecting the company that had most potential to grow, and then they start going and trying to be a coach. So they didn't prioritize their money source. So if they would have prioritized it, they would have knew that while they were building a credit repair company or something like that, that it would have, uh, you know, if they would have kept watering it, it would have kept growing. And so now you can't body coaching. So now they start taking on coaching. You're the coach at that point. So now you took time away from something that you can grow and walk away from to something that you got to sit there and season and water the whole time. And then you get stuck to where now you're boom, I'm fighting other coaches and got to stay in there. So don't ever leave something that you can grow and seed uh, without you having to plant, put the water in and then seed it uh, for to, you know, to take care of something that you got to be there for. So now what happens is they try to get back into it, but they lost their mojo. So first, that's why I want to talk to you guys. I want to make sure that you guys know where is your money source coming from? Let's prioritize the money source. Let's make sure that whatever you got going on, that you're actually making sure that you're, you're, um, you're feeding it and it's growing so that you can actually put somebody else into it. So now, now let's go to the organized. So we're building it, right? So let's go back to a restaurant. I like the restaurant thing because it's easy to talk about credit, you know, uh, the restaurant and the credit repair company. Now let's take Burger King. Now their job is to sell the burger, right? It starts out. You build a burger joint. Your job is to sell the burger. You got to build a burger, right? You can't sell something that you, you know, that you haven't cooked yet. You haven't built yet. So now you built the burger, you got the burger, you cooked the burger, and then now you sell the burger. So now it took you to cook it. It took you um, to make it up and it took you to sell it. So you built that, right? Now the problem is it's time to, uh, it's time to sell the burger. So I can't keep cooking the burger when I got people waiting on that burger. I need somebody checking out so that I can cook it while, while we got that going on. So now what happens is once you build it, you have to organize it because you can't bring somebody else in, right, to cook that hamburger if you don't have anything organized and documented. And that's where I think a lot of us is failing. A lot of us are going from building the company to delegating. And then we'll hire somebody and then we'll say, man, they suck. The problem is how in the world are you going to hire somebody to come in on something that you just built, but it's not organized and it's not documented. They're basically following along and then you're saying they're not picking up fast enough. So you're saying I get a lot of people that says I hired an overseas VA. They just don't get it. And I'm like, how is it that they don't get something that an eight-year-old who can read can get? And then they say, well, what do you mean? It's because how do you expect them to get something that you don't even get yet? Right. And then I get a lot of people, husband and wives. I get a lot of them that's working in their business together. One knows everything and the other one can't really fill in everything, which means that there's nothing documented there. Right. So now you have to actually build that and you have to organize it. Organize it means now we, let's take the hamburger. Right. We're back to the burger joint. The hamburger has to be um, stored at a certain temperature. You take it out and then you actually got to come and cook it at a certain temperature. I love using the Wendy's um, because that was my first job out of high school. I started at Wendy's at four o'clock. I was on the grill at seven o'clock cooking. Mr. Walter actually told me that I was the man and I thought I was good. I watched the yellow and a red VCR tape that showed me how to cook the burger. It showed me how to take the burger out, 
um, the burger patty out, how to put the, uh, the the single patties on the left, the junior patties on the right, and you flip, when you flip the single patties, you uh, press them four times, and the juniors, you press it two times, and then you flip it again, and on the fourth flip, they're ready. And then now, if the fourth flip, if it's ready for a fifth flip, um, and nobody's got that burger out yet, and nobody ordered that, it goes up in the cabinet and it's chili meat. Now, how would I have known that if they didn't have it documented. So now take all of the documentation away, take those videos away that I watched, take all of the prom, the protocol that they had in place away and then bring me in the windows and say, hey, just cook. If I wouldn't have known that I got to press them four times and flip them and then boom, when it goes to chili meat, then it would have been a disaster there. So now what they did is they took that person who made that burger, he, made a, he said, hey, it has to be stored at this temperature, it has to be flipped this way, it has to be flipped at that timing so that every minute it's time to flip in that minute boom as soon as you do the flip thing you hit it do the flip things you hit it and that minute counts down and you know how to flip it now what that was is organizing a way to get that burger cooked now what they did is they started documenting the process taking the meat out they took a picture of it right so that's the documenting the process so now you cannot delegate until you got the bod done it's called body but it's bodd build organized document delegate so now they built the whole burger flow they organized the whole burger flow. They documented the whole burger flow. Now they can bring me in out of high school, make me watch videos because they have it built, organized, documented, and delegate that job to me. Now it's delegated to where the manager who is worth $30, $40 an hour isn't training me because minimum wage at that time was what, $5.15 an hour? Isn't training me on $5.15, right? So now it's not costing the company $45.15 an hour to train me on that because they already have it built, organized, and documented so that when it's time to delegate, all they have to do is have an automated training to where I walk in and I watch the video, which has the automated training that doesn't require anybody. Mr. Walter was on the grill with me for an hour and a half. I got done with my videos at six o'clock. He was on the grill with me for an hour and a half from six to seven, 15, 730. And then at 730, he was like, man, you got this. You the man. So imagine when you bring an employee in, and then they watched it step by step. They knew how it was organized. They watched how it was documented and they can follow that and they put they yield positive results. And you turning around and you telling them, oh my God, that's amazing. You're doing a good job. Now what you just did to that employee is you empowered them to actually help. And then you created a culture that you stand behind them and you empowered them to make them want to build and actually uh, blow the company up. Not blow up in a bad way, but a good way, right? And that's what I realized because my ego was so big when Mr. Walter told me that I was the man on the grill. I didn't let him get the grill back. I'm like, I got it. Go to Nuggets. Do that. I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. I'm, you know. So now what happens is when you do that in your business, you're bringing a person in on something that you have built, you have organized, you have documented so that you can delegate it over and it's battle tested. I always tell you guys, done is better than perfect because perfect never gets done. That is so true. I launched so many things before they ready. I, I, I'm basically ready, fire, aim, right? Because if I start shooting, I'm going to see where the hole's at, and then eventually I can, I, can, I can get it in to where it's perfect, right? But if I ready, aim, fire, I'll be aiming forever and never take that shot. So a lot of you guys are waiting for it to be perfect before you launch it. And the reason why it can't be perfect before you launch it, and you will destroy your company if you're trying to make sure it's perfect before you launch it, is because you need input from other people. No empire can ever be built without teamwork, right? So now think about it from this standpoint. Managers are made from improving the program. So what you do is now I bring that person in on the grill, right? Now I can actually go over the fries or now I can go and check out. Now that I can check out, 
All I'm doing is taking orders for that burger. I have a system in place now. Now the checkout, boom, hey, step by step of how to check out, how to how to greet the person. Hey, you greet them by doing this, how to do this. You know, you greet them, you take the money, how to hand the change back, how to prepare the order. So now you got that burger being cooked. You got a person delegated to it. Now, remember I told you the best investment you can do is build a position, make it worth something and sell it to somebody. Now, let's say if... Tony the Tiger. No, let's use Don. Let's say Don and Candy had the burger joint, right? And by them cooking burgers, they were making $40 an hour in that position, right? So that position was valuable enough to be $40 an hour of value to the company, right? That means cooking that hamburger is worth $40 an hour to that company. Now what they did is they built it, organized, documented, delegated, hired somebody for $7 an hour at that time, set minimum wage, $7.25, um, especially at most burger joints, right? Now they sold a $40 an hour position for $7.25 an hour and cleared $32.75. Right. So now what they just did is they have thirty two dollars and seventy five cents per hour on automation residual income coming back to them every single hour. And then guess what they realized? Man, people don't just like hamburgers. They actually like French fries, too. So now they turned the person in that was making forty dollars an hour. Right. The uh, register was overhead. It wasn't making money off that. So now they said, hmm, let's trade off this overhead for a chance to make money. So now I have a step by step piece of protocol. I have it recorded. I have it built out of how you greet somebody when they walk in. I have it organized of where all the keys is, um, when to get change back, how to get change back and all of that. I have it documented so that when you're training on it, you know how to greet them, how to do that. And now I can delegate it. So when that person time to run the cash register, they'll know what they can. They'll know what they can't do. They know what their duties are. So now you would hire them for $7.25 an hour. So now what you just did is you took a $40 hour job and then you split it up, but now you have $7.25 plus $7.25. That's $14.50. You're clearing $25.50 per hour, and now you don't even have to um, take the order. You don't even have to make the order. So now you actually have somebody making money for you, and then you have somebody serving them, right? So now what you start doing is when you have it built out that way, you start saying people don't like burgers. They like fries. They like extra things that I can start adding to it. And then now by me going on fries, I'm going to, on, on apple pies and on different things, I can start upselling them because we got a $40 an hour thing coming in and I'm clearing $25 an hour coming in off regular overhead plus what's coming in, right? And now I can upsell and create a whole nother $40 revenue stream with side items such as apple pies, milkshake, drinks, and I can make sure that I create a protocol of how to serve the drinks, how to create um, and make sure that the drinks are filled, when, what button to hit for the fries, a step-by-step, one person can handle that. So I build that, I organize that on a step-by-step, -step, I document that, and I delegate it. The problem now is I was clearing $25 an hour, $25.50, but now I'm clearing $65.50, but it's me working. And now I got to replace me on the fries and all the other stuff. So now, boom, that's $65.50 minus another $7.25 an hour. So now that's going to be what? That's uh, $58.25. So now I'm clearing $58.25 an hour, and I'm getting drinks made. I'm getting fries done. I'm getting the burger done, and I'm getting it rung up. Now all I got to do is be in the back creating a marketing plan to start pushing this out to other people, and then I'm going to scale it that way. So per three people in there, I can build out a stream to make sure that every three people that I have working there is creating me $58 an hour without me having to be there. 
and once I double that, once I put a marketing campaign and said, let me take this $58 an hour, let me multiply this times 40 hours times uh, four weeks or whatever into a month, and then let me put 20% back in marketing to boost that to double the sales. And then now all you're doing is once you get a good number there, you're just basically doubling it and you're scaling it and you're scaling it and you're scaling it. So if any one of those steps are made between building, organized, documenting, and delegating, you're gonna break your company. And the reason why is because some of us, we do the process and we do the sales, we do customer service, we do all of this other stuff, and we wanna hire somebody to help us, but we hire somebody to help us everywhere instead of exactly where we need help from. And a lot of us are actually in our company, we process, we taking sales, we doing this, we don't have documented hours, and when we doing this, so we all over the place. So a lot of work is gonna get missed. So think about this, if you take nine hours in your day and you're doing a credit repair company, you could take three hours in process, three hours in sales, three hours customer service and marketing, right? So now once you got those three hours documented and they run when you need them to run, instead of saying, you know, so when the sales hours are over, they're over, start processing at that time. And when it's processing time, process. Don't try to do sales when you process it. Don't try to do customer service when you processing, right? What's gonna happen there is you're gonna build it out, organize, document it. It's easier that way because now that's when you can go to the upward and you have a person that can come into something that's built, organized, and documented delegate that to them for three hours a day. So a lot of people say, well, how long, how many hours a week should I hire the Upwork person? How many hours a week you process? And now by clearing that up, you have clarity there. Now you know that you need them for 15 hours a week, right? Because those are the three hours that you was processing. You're bringing them in for 15 hours a week. But what you just did though, is now you cleared that three hours a day from you and you could take that three hours and make that six hours that you could sell while you got a processor for the three hours a day. And it's not gonna really cost you anything, four or $5 an hour for the processor, but you're selling the double, you got double the time in sales now so that you can make more of the revenue again. And then now guess what? Well, if my sales go up double, that means that I'm gonna need double the processing. Good job, right? Because now the one that you have part-time, all you gotta do is just increase the hours instead of going through the, 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 the cycle again. Increase the hours, you're gonna make the same amount of money, but you're gonna double the money, right? And then that three hours that you were spending on customer service, now it's time to replace that. So you got it built, you got it organized, you got the customer service scripts. Hey, thank you, blah, 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 this is what we do. Just like Chick-fil-A, they make sure that they say my pleasure, they don't say any other word, that's protocol. They know what to say, when to say, how to say it, right? That's called protocol. It isn't that everybody in Chick-fil-A is just that nice, they just know that if you don't say my pleasure, then that means that person really ain't supposed to be working for Chick-fil-A, right? So in your company, you have to have the same thing and it has to be consistent all the way across the board so that when you have those scripts built out with customer service, after the call, send the survey, tag them this, tag them that, do the follow-up, right? So now you just clear that three hours. So now all you're doing is selling. So you got the sales going on. You got a person that's going to do customer service. You got a person that's going to process and you sell, sell, sell. Then do the same thing. Build out a sales script. Build out some kind of... Um, you know, sales script to where they can commission only, build out sales script so if you have people in there that can pick up sales that's working full time so that when your sales people go, right? So even if you turn sales over and do commission only, now you're not even selling, all you're doing is marketing the company all day, right? And then turn marketing over and then all of a sudden you're in management and then you're pulling yourself away. Our biggest problem is we wanna walk into the company as the CEO. I know I'm talking fast, I'm sorry. Our biggest problem is we wanna walk into the company as the CEO. Um, if this good info, say it, because I ain't y'all ain't typing nothing. Y'all scam me. So yeah, we want to walk in as a CEO. Now you ask yourself, if you had a ten million dollar company that you were making ten million dollars a year, 
and it was time to walk away and you need to bring somebody in to take over as CEO. Be honest. Would you hire somebody that just left a nine to five and maybe was never a, a manager at all? Probably not. So why in the world when you start your own company, you're going to do that? So now, which means that if I'm not going to be able to bring a CEO in, if I'm not going to sell my 10 million or turn my 10 million dollar a year company over to a CEO, right? Why in the world, I mean, the person who never been a CEO, why in the world would I build one and hire myself as a CEO and I never been a CEO? That's just where a lot of us fail. Like, how in the world are we going to be a CEO, turn duties over, try to hire down here and something that we never did? And then now we hire a person who just came in off the streets and we just throwing them all these duties and responsibilities. And we're giving them CEO and management type duties because they're the only employee there. And they're not specific because what's happening with Miss Ethel, who's an older lady who probably is the most sweetest person in the world who's really great with customer service, right? Miss Ethel might be really great with customer service. She's a sweetheart. Clients will love her. Her processing sucks, though, and she can't sell to save her life, and she can't even spell the best. The problem is, is when you start doing that hiring from the top, you're going to start saying Ms. Elthal is a bad employee, which means that you probably got rid of the best customer service person that you could have ever had in your life because you were worrying about other things that she shouldn't have been doing in the first place. So you got to know what to delegate, when to delegate, why you're delegating it, and then you free that time up. So if there's not a need for a specific task or a specific department, you stay there. You have to hire yourself as a regular person. You're the lowest level employee there when you're the CEO. We want to sound like we leveled up, but we ain't made a dime. So now if you start your job as a company and you're, let's say you start a job, somebody hire you, right? And they tell you it's commission only and you don't make any sales and you're the only employee there. What are you, what, what are you then? You're not the CEO and you're broke. So the thing about it at that point is we want to sound like we leveled up. You ain't leveled up until you got money that can be made without you making it. So now what you got to do is you hire yourself at the smallest part, you build it out. When you're on the phone with a client, you record all those calls. When you're selling those, you're recording those calls, and then you're putting notes beside it, right? You're getting the MP3. You got Screencast-O-Matic. You're recording the screen of everything you're doing while you're on the phone with that client. You're dumping that MP3 and that video of what you was doing, syncing it up, and that's training module one on sales one-on-one. You do that about 30, 40 times, and then create a test to it. So now you built it right, which means you put it in the folders, you organize the calls by won sales versus lost sales, and then you documented the calls because now you put notes on them and you created a test. So now that when you bring somebody in for sales, you let them go through those videos and then you let them write the notes on what they would have did on the call. If it was better or worse, you write a ABCD answer. If they pass the test, then boom, they get on the phones for sales. Now what you just did is you got a program that you can bring your whole sales department in that doesn't require you. So if you work $100 an hour and you want to pay them 10 now it's not costing $110 an hour. It's costing you $10 an hour. But with the money they're going to make, you actually just gain a real big profit there. So you got to make sure that it's done that way. And then you can start promoting yourself up. So now if I'm going to come through before you provide it, you got to sell it, right? So you're going to be a salesperson. You document that. And then when you process, you're going to create a whole flow of how your process is. Round one, level one, step by step by step. It's documented. It's all in place. And then you're going to come and promote yourself into marketing. Then customer service and then now when you got that you're going to turn all of those positions over to other people you're going to become a supervisor right so now once you're a supervisor you're going to actually create protocol on how you rate them you're going to listen to the 
because while they're talking, and you're going to grade them, right? You're going to put a grading thing. Did the person greet the client with this? Did a person do this? What's the person letting the client talk? Blah, blah, blah. Create a grading scale on them. Once you have the grading scale created on them, guess what? Now, when somebody gets promoted in the supervisor, they would know this is how I listen to a call. I, I dial this and I listen. This is what I'm listening for. This is how I'm going to grade them, right? So now once you get the supervisors all the way across, sales supervisor, customer service supervisor, processing supervisor, then you're going to go into management. And then you're going to also, as that person come in, remember I told you done is better than perfect. Perfect never gets done. When you're building this stuff, do not have it perfect because it's going to take you forever to make it perfect. The goal is to hire somebody with the whole, you know, management and promoting somebody is the easiest thing in the world. And you know why? It's because that's why you don't want to build it out perfect. You're not building it perfect so that when you do hire them, their whole goal is to make it better. If they don't make it better, they never get promoted. Anybody that's going to make your sales program better has to get promoted into sales supervisor. Anybody that's going to make your customer service program better has to get promoted into customer service supervisor. Anybody that's making your uh, product, you know, so now what's going to happen is every individual that's making it better gets promoted. Anybody to stand the same stage the same, anybody who's making it worse leaves. Simple as that. So now when you have, you know, promote them in the supervisor and you have all of those things in place, they're going to make your supervisor positions play uh, better, right? And then that's, that's the protocol is going to get them, you know, you know, they're going to have management. So management, the discipline side, how, you know, when, when they come in, they need to know how to write somebody up. Let them know when they first come in, hey, check on them. Don't go and call them in and say, hey, you was late, this and that. That person could have just lost somebody. That person could have went through a lot of stuff. So boom, write out protocol at the management level so that when that person do get called in the office, the first thing you do is check on them because now at that point, you want to make sure they're in a good place, right? And so now if they're good, they're happy, everything is good, then simply ask them a question. Hey, so what's going on? I noticed something lately. You've been late. Um, is everything okay? We you know, I'm, I, I care. I care about you. I did notice that. Now, other people are starting to know that. Notice that. So now I needed to talk to you about that. Um, do you have a second? So now, boom. I just want to let you know that this is not me disciplining you. I'm actually developing you. I'm writing you up to develop you, not discipline you, just to let you know that I do see you. We're just going to document this here. We're going to have, so now you would have a build up and protocol on how to write somebody up, when to coach them, when to counsel them, when to redevelop them, and then how to find out if it's negligence or if it's just something they wasn't trained on. Because now you would find yourself, what if you're writing all the customer service team up and you find out that the customer service supervisor ain't training them and come to find out because the customer service manager isn't holding the customer service supervisor accountable. And I know y'all probably thinking like, well, you way up there. I'm just trying to get it started. And if you keep the same mindset that I'm just trying to get it started, you never going to grow into this. So you always, 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 I'm giving you guys the keys. I promise you, I'm giving you guys the keys to grow it. You're going to grow it because you start from the bottom. When you start from the top, you're going to stall out with your friends and then you're going to be in these groups asking how to market and then everybody going to sell you everything and then all of a sudden you're going to be confused. Then you're going to get dragged into a messy circle and then you ain't going to know where you're at. You lost in the fire at that point. You're going to be following a bogus leader. So now I don't want that to happen to you, right? So what I want for you guys to do is to make sure that you map out something. I don't care how you map it. I don't care what you use to map out. Map out your plan from the bottom to the top. And it's so easy to say when you're going to promote and why you're going to promote yourself into it. So once you do that, now when it's time to walk away as a CEO, you got a COO that can actually take over the business, decide on all the calls, know exactly how you operate. And every call I make right now, my COO and my VP is on so that when I promise something, they get the work delegated. 
right? So by the time I'm off the phone, I go about my business to the next call. I go on my meetings. They're there to delegate the mission, right? So that when I walk away, my travel is done. Like tomorrow, I'm flying to Dominican Republic. I got one of my clients. I'm helping them create a call center in DR tomorrow. So we flying there tomorrow. They already had the flight set up. They had everything set up to make sure that everything that was on my schedule for the rest of the rest of the week is done until I get back. Now, that protocol had to be in place. So now whoever's taking over as CEO when I'm gone, right? So when I leave, anything that has to be done is already protocol in place for the person filling in so I can get back and still have a company there. Now, any questions on that? Because I know I just ran through a lot of stuff in 30 minutes. A lot of stuff in 30 minutes so no questions i know it's a little delay i think that delay is like really really big so i got to call some leads you're teaching us all right so um yeah so that's 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 basically you know the body in a business um that's that's the you know the simple the most simple terms i can think of right um one of the other things I do want you guys focusing on, though, is prioritizing your money source. Don't leave the money source. Remember, we was talking about um, whatever your business is, you got to prioritize where that money is coming in. Like that burger joint, we knew that hamburger was that priority, right? You take the burgers out, nobody coming to a fry spot, nobody coming just to buy apple pies, right? Um, so that was an upsell or cross sale or whatever. Um, of providing other things to make that revenue come up. So prioritize your money source and then offer a cross sale, for instance. Uh, you get them repaired, you know, their credit get repaired, and then now where are they going to go? Now what you going to give them? I know everybody's doing taxes right now. So now after the taxes, now boom, where are you going to take them? Why don't you create an investment group? Why don't you uh, start teaching them real estate investing? Just like doing things so that you got them to a point, they trust you taking them to another point, so why give up on that? So you want to make sure that once you build out and prioritize that money source, body it, put people there so that you can walk away, think clearly. Remember, you can't work on the business and in the business at the same time, right? Because if you can, then everybody, I always talk about Andre Iguodala, that famous block when LeBron James was like chasing him down and Iguodala went up and LeBron blocked it and um, Cleveland won the finals. If Iguodala would have saw him coming, he wouldn't have laid it up. He would have dunked it, and they would have been, they would have won the uh, you know the finals that year. The problem with it is he couldn't play in the game and look at the game. He couldn't work on the game and be in the game at the same time. That's why we always see that wide receiver open like ah the quarterback missed him. He can't see everything that we can see from the outside looking in. Remember, we can give everybody the best advice, and we can't take it ourselves. So when we're stuck in our business. We're not going to take advice from nobody else. But when we get our business to where people can go in there, and we, they can run it, and all you got to do is evaluate and make tweaks to the whole operation, it makes it easy at that point. It's really easy to pinpoint the mistakes and then use it as a coaching point. Don't use it to, like, degrade nobody and say, oh, you know, you guys are doing this, you guys are doing that. Um, Keila said, I'm struggling with the dispute process. I have some major successes, but items were deleted, came back. I'm glad you asked that. Um, one of the things of, okay, so I want to talk about the business side of that first, and then I'll go into the dispute side of that. A lot of people, when it comes to their business, they think, I'm, let me tell you, 
disputes are probably 10% of your business success. Because a lot of people think that I got I to gotta get the best results with disputes. I got to get the best results with, with disputes. The law is the only thing that's really going to delete it, right? Unless you're out there doing these credit suites and stuff, right? So the law is the only thing that's going to get it deleted. I think if you communicate with your clients, the results are going to be by you working right and a lot of people if i ask them who has the best hamburger out of longhorn or mcdonald's a lot of people are gonna say well longhorn yeah because it's cooked out it's gourmet it's all of that but mcdonald's for every one burger that longhorn sells mcdonald's sells eighty-eight thousand of them one longhorn hamburger to eighty-eight thousand mcdonald's hamburgers so for the people who go in there and they eat mcdonald's hamburgers they're not going to give them a one star because it sucks because they actually wanted that mcdonald's hamburger at the time it was convenient and it fit them now first of all we got to see what kind of business do you want to run do you want to run the business with the loan and, and there's nothing wrong with either way so and i think a lot of people don't identify what they're trying to go with their business before they start marketing either it doesn't mean that Longhorn's burger is not better or, or Longhorn doing something wrong. What it means is they chose that route. McDonald's chose that route. So first, before you start talking about the dispute process, what route are you trying to go with your company? Are you going gourmet or boutique? Or are you trying to build a company to where it can run without you and start growing built on kind of, you know, gaining that volume that can sustain and take care of itself without you? Now, one of the things is if you focus too much on the dispute process where it has to be perfect and you spend years and years learning it, how long is it going to take you to teach it? Which means that now what you just did is you handicapped everybody that's going to come in. Remember, I was talking about prioritizing a money source and a lot of people started from a company. Then they go into coaching because it requires them. Are you comfortable with building a company that's going to require you there overseeing that process the whole time? Or do you want to build a company where you can get to a point to turn that over and the person you turn it over quit, you can bring somebody else in to not take a hit? Because like I said, McDonald's, if a person cook walks out at five o'clock, they ain't going to lose no money. If Longhorn Cooks walks out, they probably going to have to shut the kitchen down for the night. So you want to make sure that you know what kind of business you're going to run before you get into that. So I did have to get that disclaimer. Now, um, if you want to build it without you, I would focus on putting a good dispute flow together and then go every four months tracking the percentage of, um, you know, um, collection accounts, tracking the percentage of uh, charge offs, tracking the percentage of whatever. And when I say track a percentage, you can get a person, you can get a VA to come in and do those numbers for you. You don't want to kind of get down and crunch that. VA is a virtual assistant, somebody you can hire for overseas for really cheap, um, you know, just to do that specific task right there, probably three days a month, they can track that for you. Um, but yeah, just have them come in and do that. And then now you will know your percentage. If you paper delete, you would know exactly the percentage. So you can kind of dictate. So a lot of people say you can't steal paper delete. So if I know that the average client coming in has the average amount of negative accounts, and I know that my collections over the last four months is certain, you know, from a four month window, um, I know that the deletion percentages are there. I can kind of dictate or kind of be in a ballpark of, you know what's going to come in. I might hit, I might miss, I might be a little more, I might be a little less, but it usually is in that ballpark, right? So it's easier to put a flow together that you can have somebody come in and say, all right, round one, we're doing this. We're going to send the investigation request. Now, it's lots of groups, and you got to be really careful in all these groups. Like it's, you know, it's always a new group with somebody at the head of that group telling you to do something a certain way. But all of these groups have an agenda, right? There's millions of attorneys out here telling you to do it a certain way only so that they can be your litigation attorney, right? Um, it's certain dispute experts telling you to do it a certain way for a certain thing. Is any of them wrong? 
Probably not. There are just a million ways to do things, right? So you have to be careful. Once you put a flow together and then start joining all these groups and everybody doing it a different way, you're going to break your flow. So when you get comfortable with a flow that you have together, then you can start using it without you, right? Because now you can say round one, send this. Rather, if it's an investigation request, not naming anything so that they can send it back. And then round two, make them prove it. Round three, VOD, compare the info. Round four, um, each, each stop by silence or whatever. No matter what route you go, you would have that built out so that that person who's doing it step by step can do it. Now it won't matter. Well, it'll, it'll still matter, but you would have some kind of system in place to where you, you can spend that time that you was processing, educating the client like, hey, get positive credit. Hey, in this round, we did this, this, and this. They came back and they verified it. This is our next step. Now they know people would pay as long as they know what's going on. People only complain when they feel like they're paying for something and not getting it. If you're paying for something, you're getting communicated with every step of the way and they know exactly what's going on and what they're paying for, they're getting good. So now, um, that's 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 basically it. So it you know I, I would say just make sure that things are right. Do we have customer service problems? Heck yeah. Do we have processing problems? Crap yeah. Marketing problems? Yes yes yes. But those are things that are going to be continuous, right? That's the need of having a CEO. That's the need of having management there. If it was perfect, it wouldn't need for anybody to come work. So you're going to always have problems because businesses are always changing. So you want to make sure. So keep these questions coming because that's pretty good. So when it comes to credit, though, let me tell you how to, um, and I'm doing a sales mastery training, by the way, and I'm going to give you guys, so you guys will get first dibs on my um, sales mastery training. I am the worst salesperson, and the reason I sell the way that I sell or the reason, um, I, I don't even call it selling. I call it creating the need um, and making sure we educate, from, um, educate with the purpose. If you educate with a purpose, you can sell anything. So you won't sell if they're not aware of what they're buying and they have to be clear on what they're getting, right? And that's what's going to help them be content because now if you're clear and they're clear on what they're getting, you can easily make sure that you can fulfill that. But what if you're in the club with a million dollars, right? And you flashing it, throwing all the, I ain't going to say a million, just say you in there with a tax check, right? Because a lot of people are going to get this income tax check and they're going to be real big ballers out here. They're going to be out here renting these Bentleys and all of that. And I'm out here knocking that. Do what you do, player. But what I'm telling you is what if he was in the club and he rented a Bentley? Let's say he got the hookup on a rent Bentley for 500 a day um, or went to, went to like Toro or something. And he went and got a thousand ones. So he really about to do that thing. And he's in the club and then he's all of a sudden throwing them ones out, throwing them ones out. I guarantee you that same girl that was ignoring or or 15 of them same girls that was ignoring the, the the good guy who was just minding his business are like, man, he's a baller. So everybody he's talking to, those women might go over and be like, yeah, we, we, we drinking. He got bottles. He having the night of his freaking life. He throwing ones. What was, what's going to happen, though, when all these women leave the club with him and find out that he stayed with his sister and you know, they leaving at two in the morning. They find out he got to get his Bentley dropped back off at five o'clock and it ain't his. And he got a cutlass. He got a, a 2000. He got a new cutlass. I don't even know if they made. He got a 2019 cutlass that they don't make. Right. So and he stay with his sister. Do you think all of those women are going to stay around or do you think they're going to leave? Right. So now when people are trying to sell credit repair by giving results, 
the reason why those women are going to be like, man, he ain't who he say he was. He didn't say he was nobody. He was just enjoying his life. They just, it looked good, and he couldn't fulfill or sustain that, so they automatically thought it was a ripoff. They thought he wasn't who he say he was. They thought they got gypped or whatever, right? And they went on about their business. And he laughed because he was like, hey, I got what I wanted out of y'all. That's what y'all get for falling for it. Anyway, but he probably ain't going to do that. So now from a business perspective, let's say we going on our page and we putting all these deletions up. Right. So if we put a deletion instead of the end product, well, this is what happens. Now, person A sees, wow, you got everything deleted, especially all of our, all of all of these, uh, you know, all of these credit suite friends out here um, that shows where everything get deleted nine times out of ten. If everything coming off, um, it's almost impossible for everything to come off on factual disputing. If you see a report where everything is off, probably probably a credit suite. Any, anyway, though. So when you go and you post that. Right. And then they see it and then they look at it and they say, wow, everything came off. I want to sign up. So now they signing up based on what they saw, which means that they want that. They don't want the house. They don't want the car. They don't want the happy family that just closed on the house and had to go through the whole program. And it has its ups and downs. They don't want that because you didn't show that. What you show was the deletions. That's what they want. That's what they coming. That's what they giving their money to. That's the money in the club. That's the Bentley, right? So now what happens though the first month when you don't get those results? Mm, you think they're going to stick around? If they came expecting to pay for everything getting deleted and it doesn't get deleted the first round, what do you think going to happen? They came because of that. Did they come because of education? Did they came? Did they come to go through the process? Did they come and did they know that you was going to go and send an investigation request and then follow up with this and just make sure that you put the burden of proof on them? Did they do that? No. So now if they're not educated, they're leaving. So if they educated, if they, oh, hey, congratulations to this client who got a home, who went through the program, who understood that they had to get their ratios down, who had to get this, blah, blah, blah. It was a rough journey at the beginning, but we found out that the bureaus were not complying and blah, blah, blah. And due to them not being able to verify some information through some rounds and certain follow-ups and a long, you know, and, or in a fight, um, they were able to get through and they were able to get through without any violations on our end and we were able to help them blah. So now that seems way more real. Every client that you get off that, they understand it's a process already. So they're not going to leave you the first month. They're going to say, I understand it's a process. And then so now that when you're following back up, hey, we sent this, they came back and verified. This is our game plan for this. This is our plan of action. When it comes back, send it back to us so we can compare this to that. They're going to say, okay, they're going to say, I'm happy because I know what's going on. Next round, it comes back. All right, we compared this to this. These two came off this round. Five came off the next round. These, they verify. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to follow directly up the creditor, come back, compare it to make sure that nothing is wrong between one and two. And then, boom, they're going to be like, okay, now I know what's going on. So if you have a game plan every round going in, those clients won't leave. Right. I had people like a lot of, you know, I mean, if you, I, I know some clients that will stick around a year or two. Lexington Law has those clients, right? But the, so the thing is, is we all hate that company. A lot of people try to bash them instead of saying, well, what are they doing to make those clients stick around, right? They're setting realistic expect expectations up front. Have you ever seen Lexington Law post some results of some uh, deletions? And we get mad at them and then get mad. Our clients was with them for two years, was with us for three months and left. Yes, that's because their clients left them because they saw you post all these results saying that you can get accounts deleted. We get results. I hate when people say we get results and blah, blah, blah. What results you getting? 
The thing is, is our job is to make sure that we advocate on your behalf to ensure that the bureaus are not violating your rights. You're protected up under the Fair Credit Reporting Act and the FDCPA. There's over 300 pieces of criteria that they have to adhere to in reporting anything. Our job is to make sure that they are adhering to all the rights to protect you. And if they do violate and we use that as a potential, uh, as a chance to potentially leverage a violation to get a delete. Boom. Did you make any uh, promises? No. Right. So you don't want to do that. You want to make sure that you have realistic expectations set. And that's the best way to sell somebody. I've identified a lot of people like, man, my client's doing this. That wasn't a good client in the first place. If they coming in telling you when I want, yeah, I'm only going to give you four months in this program. I'm going to try it out. And I'm going to say, hey, well, I'm glad you are. So I'm, I went ahead and sign you up for the four month mailing list. Unfortunately, I can't take you as a client. Why you can't? Um, the reason why is because you already have a set amount of time and I can't, no, nobody can control how long the bureau is going to take to investigate. Now we have a process that we have to go by and being that we can't control that, we just don't think that we'll be a good fit for you at this time. Now we can recommend some other companies that will fit into the expectations that you have, but we can't. So the other companies will be able to delete it. I don't, I'm not sure if anybody, nobody can actually guarantee you the lease. So now those are things right there. You just want to make sure. So these people I have posted these results, you got to think of it this way. A person with a thousand clients that only stick around two months makes the same amount of money as 200 clients to stick around 10 months. So take that to the bank. Uh, 10, 200 clients to stick around 10 months will give you the same amount of money as a thousand clients that's only sticking around two months. With that thousand clients, though, you need more personnel to service them. With the 200 clients, you can educate them, keep 200 on the books and be happy. They're going to be happy. And as they weed out, you can slowly but surely build it. And those two companies are going to make the same exact amount of money in that 10 month period. So now you just want to make sure that the clients are knowing the best way to make money is to not lose money, right? Uh, or not spend money. So if you're turning and burning, you just got, you just lost a thousand clients that you should have had a system in place to keep, or you should have had protocol in place to keep to make sure that they're getting constant communication that know what's going on in the program. So always, always, always understand that a person with a thousand clients that only stick around two months makes the same as a person with 200 clients that stick around 10 months. And once you realize that, you can start growing it out and you can start, stop listening to every new person with the success story lie to you and you know tell you that they did this and that like i know certain people you know they pop in groups and they come up with these success stories and they don't have a system in place i've been around the block long enough to know how many clients you can process and handle without uh automation or without any kind of system or without breakdown you know without certain things in place right and i'm not saying anybody I'm, I'm not here to do that that's that's their business right i'm here to say that don't always read or think that you're failing because of what somebody posted online half that stuff ain't true anyway so um but what i want to be true is i want you guys to actually just buckle down and make sure that you understand that this whole thing is a process the reason why a lot of people don't make it in this industry as they have real unrealistic expectations too, right? So if you're selling t-shirts, you would see somebody who's selling them and like, they made a million dollars, right? But you don't know their system. You don't know the processes they have in place. That's why you always got to make sure that you body everything, right? So let's say, um, so let, let's say if, uh, man, I lost my train of thought. I lost my train of thought. I hate when I do that. My ADHD kicked in because I was trying to go somewhere before I was able to leave that. Yeah. So yeah, every everybody who's uh yeah, so everybody who's basically coming up with every success story 
you know, most of these people out here thugging it, right? Um, and then, then nothing wrong with that. I mean, I can honestly tell you, I always tell you my story, right? Um, and that's why, and I hate, I kind of hate it because I came a target after that. I remember um, when I did over a million dollars with Credit Repair Cloud that year, and I, you know, I used to be out here showing my employees like, hey, y'all, you know, the, the I'm happy I got a lot of employees. So y'all want y'all to see me so that um, y'all can think I'm out here doing it big type thing. And we did over a million that year. But like I said, I was two months behind on my mortgage in those videos grinning. I was in those videos acting like, bro, like I'm out here getting it, getting it right. And I'm thinking like, man payroll is 34 grand but the deposit is 32 i can't even make payroll and this has been happening so much and then i realized that all of my cards have been um maxed out and i can't even make minimum so it's now make minimum payment on one um is it cover the mortgage because i was two months behind on the mortgage you know when you pay it uh at day 85 or day from 85 to 89 so it don't get foreclosed i was yeah i was that guy so um with making over a million dollars in the company so um, the problem was I didn't have the right systems in place. I literally had employees because I was trying to look the part. I was trying to like look. Um, I was trying to look rich. Yeah, I, I was. I, I figured because yeah, I had long. I had just launched the Credit Repair University then, and this is me being transparent. That's why I see it all the time. Um, I had just launched the Credit Repair University, um, and I launched it because I needed. Uh, you know, uh, people was asking like, "Hey, about." And I wasn't even doing automations then. I was doing like how to sales and it, I, you know, it was good. I mean, the, the training was good and all of that, but I did need extra money at that time. Right. Um, Cause I was out here struggling. And so that first credit repair university, I remember that was the first time that when they paid for it, I had money to myself because uh, I had all a bunch of employees. Right. And so Daniel and Keenan big mouth behind with credit repair cloud, uh, I was like, wow, we want to, you know, talk about it. And it was like a regular conversation. They went and told the world. So then I became a target. I was a broke target, wanting to look rich and was sitting out here hanging on by a string. So that's when I realized I really had to buckle down and get my systems together because now that didn't work. And then you start evaluating stuff. I started looking and realizing, man, this person ain't making the appointments. They always call out. She can't ever find daycare. Um, her, you know, it's just always something going on. So, man, I automated the crap out of everything. I got rid of like uh, I had 27 employees then. Uh, I got rid of like 16, uh, 15, 16 of them in the U.S., and then that's when I was like, hey, let me just start looking at this overseas thing. And then I start building it out. So now while my success story looked like I was winning and I want to get back there, it looked like I was winning. I was bleeding. Like when I say I was bleeding, I didn't buy clothes that year. Um, thank God the year before I bought a bunch of suits. Um, I didn't buy clothes or anything, though, that year. Um, I wasn't buying like the kids. We weren't traveling. We weren't going anywhere. So everybody was like, man, you the credit guru. But see, I, at that time, I would battle anybody with knowledge. You know, I, I'll, I'll, and I don't even really talk credit knowledge. I kind of like bow out and let them have that because I ain't going to be doing no personal disputes myself. But um, I was like the guy that was like, man, he's the credit guru. But the reality is my score was a 505 at that point. So I had a 505. I had a million dollar company, but I was dead broke. I maxed out cards. I charged off cards. Some of those cards got default judgments. I was literally, I was coming from the office to the house and, you know, walking in the house and 
boom, I see the sheriff out there and I'm like, hey, hey, don't open the door. If they don't service, they can't get the judgment. And yeah, so it was there. So I when I when I tell you I, I speak in transparency, I ain't trying to act like it was all good. So the thing is, is all these success stories that you see, everybody I know how it looks to make it look like you you win it. I tell everybody I'm broke now. I don't, you know, I don't want to look nothing. I'm broke. Well, I ain't gonna say that because you don't want to you don't want to speak that in and you end up being there. But my thing is, you know, just get to a point where you're happy, you don't have to look the part. Right. And don't believe everybody and don't think you're failing because they're out here telling you that they're doing something. Most of these people got two, three hundred clients like everybody else. I don't know exactly how many they got or I ain't, I can care to find out. But the reality is find only out what you can do, because what they did is not going to help you. I never teach you from my success because you ain't going to meet the friends I met. You're not going to catch the breaks I caught. Right. So if you're not going to catch the breaks I caught to get me to where I am, why in the world am I going to take you through that? And you ain't going to build that relationship. But I can tell you where I fell. I can tell you what not to do or I can tell not even what not to do. I can tell you, hey, I did that and these it yielded this, these results. So you might want to think about this before you do that. And that's when they say, wow, I didn't think about it. Good job. So now the thing is, is all you can do experience is going to be, be your best teacher. Right. Um, and, and don't be afraid to fail. Every coaching client I got right now pays me, and, and I pour a lot into them. But once they pay me, they're paying me for my failures. If I had never failed or had been scared to fail, I wouldn't have been worthy or worth training with, which means that I had to go through the failures. I had to go through um, paying people under the table when I first started because they was cool with me, and then boom, IRS coming down with a huge fine. I had to go through, you know, operating on a loophole, good being good in Georgia here and there because we operating on a loophole and it's good. I had to go through trying to franchise, but the loophole didn't cover that franchise and getting hit by the attorney general. Like I had to go through that because I wouldn't have known how AG investigation looked if I had never gone through that. And I don't ever hire my failures through anybody, right? So the thing is, is I coach and I teach from my failures so that when you get to a point, you have to fail. Fail fast, fail big, fail early. And my coaches always taught me that as well. So the faster you fail, the faster you'll be able to get back. Remember I said ready, aim, well, ready, fire, aim, because boom, once you start shooting those holes, you're going to start seeing them and then you will get it, you, you know, you'll get it aligned the right way. So go out, you know, go out, make sure that you build your company with you in mind, find out who you are as a person. Everybody wants to be a part of something. You're just not giving them something to be a part of. Remember it from this standpoint. If you don't grab a kid early, the first opportunity that he got to be a part of is a gang. You're going to have a gang member, right? So if the first opportunity you provide somebody is to be a part of a movement that you have going on, they will be a part of it. Everybody wants to be a part of something. Just give them something to be a part of. So don't follow everybody else and say, I want to build my business like them because you don't have their personality. You don't have their drive. You got a whole different drive. You got a whole different why. So if you grind from your why and make sure that they follow your story. If you went through a divorce, I've got so many people. <clears throat> I, I got one coaching client, man. I love her to death now. Well, I, I loved her before. She, she a beast, man. Um, she went live, and her biggest thing is she didn't want to tell people about when she went through a divorce and when she was uh when the husband pretty much had everything going on. And um, she's in here. She talked about it, Corey. Um, you know, and she. It was kind of did the housewife thing, and then he was a knucklehead, and he left, and then left her with nothing. 
And when she tells, so the thing is, is her biggest problem when she came in was, I don't want to, I don't want my business out there like that. So some of us are so scared to have a business out there like that, that we don't get people that's real. I can see if you fake. I don't spend my money if I think you fake. But the thing is, is if you're transparent and you're real, and a lot of us are saying, man, our friends and family don't even go to us. They go to Lexington Law. You know why? Because you're putting on that you got it going on, and then now you're not transparent and let them know that you went through it, so they won't trust you with their problem. They would rather Lexington Law do it because they ain't going to judge them or know them. But if you had showed them that you went through that, I guarantee you they'll spend money, and they'll treat you a lot different because then they'll say, man, I'm glad you shared what you went through, man. Look, I need to talk to you. I went, I'm going through that now, man. I need some help. That's exactly how they're going to come to you. So you don't always have to look like you got it together. Everybody out here talking about they got it together, trying to act like they got it together, I can see straight through them. Half these coaches out here will tell you they've been doing it 20 years, right? We know they just incorporated two years ago, right? So the thing is, is it's okay to be normal, right? Because people identify with normal. If you fake, people are going to pick up on that. You just don't instantly become a multimillionaire, right? We know it's a process. So the thing is, take money off. Find more people to serve. Share your story because the moment that she started telling her story about when she got divorced and how she had to pick herself up from being homeless and work on her credit and realize that she had more in her than she thought because she peeled herself up by the heels and started with credit and then realized that she could start investing in real estate, everybody came flocking to her because that's when they start coming and saying, man, I, I, I can't even talk to my family about my situation. Right. And I had another coaching client who literally went through a divorce. Her whole family don't even know she divorced yet. She don't want to put her business out there. Right. But she got a really good success story. She started sharing that the same thing happened. Right. My biggest thing, I'm going to tell you what held me back. Like, you know, I, I got real dope parents. But when they was, you know, I mean, and they was dope then. But they were younger. When I was younger, they were younger. Right. They was going through things. Right. Everybody, you know, drugs and everything came out then. It was like how pills is to the new generation now. But I was a product of that. Right. And when they were going through that, they were fighting the struggle they went through. And it caused us to suffer a little bit. So while they were here, like when my mom was, my biggest thing was I was scared to tell that story. I was thinking, man, how's that going to make them feel? But then it was it was her that came was like, if that's your story, you got to tell it. I'm not going to be hurt because God brought me out of that until, you know, this. And I was like, wow. So I had to tell that story and it freed me. So when you tell your story, it's going to not only free you, but make sure you live that story. So sometimes we go through things so that we can be the answer for somebody else. And that's the part that we forget. So we're scared to fail. Right. But if we never fail, we can can't go through it. What's going to happen? When that person comes in and say, hey, I need you to help me on this. And you say, mm, yeah, I never really went through that. Can't really help you. But what if you say, man, I know exactly what you're going through. When I was going through that, this is exactly what I did. When I was going through, I'm telling you, you feel like this right here, right? Yes, I feel exactly like that. So now you can deal with it. And like I teach people how to battle ADHD and make it in their business, how to organize their business with ADHD. That was my biggest problem. Right. So and what I'm saying is I ain't going to talk about me, but what I'm talking about, use your problems and to create a solution for that's bodying. So body your problem. You're going to have a problem, build a way to fix it, organize it, document it, then sell it. Right. So what you do is you package your problem, sell the solution, package your problem. You're going through the problem first. Most of us, bad credit, fix the credit. Wow. I can do this for other people. Boom. Solution to other people. Simple as that. So go through problems, man. Don't be thinking that God out here punishing us when he's developing us. And, um, you know, just build it, build it that way. Just go ahead and start building it that way.
I didn't realize I started talking. It's been a whole hour. Jesus Christ, I'm long-winded. So, um, yeah, I mean, that's that's kind of it. I guess we don't have to do a credit video, the, the pie chart and all of that, and the build-up on that like the next time. Because I, I guess, yeah, since we, we focused on business on here, we'll, we'll talk about that and the credit club um, and getting all that situated the next time with the pie chart, with creating uh the content and just stuff like that man it's it's a lot of things that we can do um yeah i talked to trista today that was good i got a chance to talk to her i don't think i ever talked to her on the phone but she's definitely a sweetheart man um and we talked about some stuff man and i think that you know and it made her realize like man we uh you know everybody's like doing the same thing in credit repair but nobody wants to go out and like do things on their own and do it a different way. And that's the problem. Like everybody don't have to follow uh, what everybody else is doing. Like my thing is I try to teach you guys to do it a different way. Find something different, find something new to roll out, be a person that's going to introduce something to an industry. Like when I start, when I bought automation to the industry, right. When I, when I bought the automation thing, it blew up. Right. And that was like one of the biggest things that I brought to the industry. Um, and then when I brought the uh, so I was always consumer bringing to the consumers. And then what bought what made gave me a huge breakthrough for like the industry was um, breaking down those scores. Like, you know, when I started the 192.5, 165, 82.5, 55, and 55, that was it. So I introduced breaking out of percentages and breaking it into scores. Now you see it in books, you see it in everywhere. So what I'm saying is you got to introduce something, bring something different, um, create that eye opener, you know, create that, that wow, didn't think of it that way. Once you bring that to the industry, once I did that, those are the only, I ain't did nothing special. I just did the 192.5, 165, 82.5, 55, 55, showed them how to put it on the thing, showed them how to sell it from the stage. Everybody started making money calling me their coach. I wish they'd have been paying me as their coach while they claim me, but still, I'll take that. You know, hey, anybody they bless, I got blessed, right? Um, no, I'm joking about that part. But um, yeah, and the only other thing was like automating the business. So it's not like I like did so in two things uh, that built like who I was. So you don't have to go out and do a hundred different things. Find something that we don't have. Find something that consumers don't have access to. Build that out. Be the face of it. Introduce it, and then you know. I mean, nobody will be able to stop you. Then nobody will be able to discredit you. Then I mean, they'll try, um, but you're still gonna be grounded in what you built. So. I don't have any more questions. Y'all just on here listening, listening. Y'all ain't typing no questions. It's been a whole hour and I had two questions. TA said, I had to get out of certain groups myself, too much of a distraction. Yeah, I mean, and, and you know, I, I stay in some of them, but I man, I mute the crap out of them. I think I'm I'm I literally this group. I don't think y'all, y'all ain't been seeing me typing in no groups but this one. And I think, yeah, my 2020 gonna be a little different. I've been fasting, I haven't had any alcohol this year. Um, usually I try to social, not try to, I, I might social drink here and there. Um, I never smoked anything, but, um, yeah, I ain't had any alcohol, any meat to start this year. Out, so I feel good. And it's been opening me up to a lot of stuff, clearing my mind on a lot of stuff. So no questions, no questions, no questions. All right. So if I don't get a question in the next minute, we're going to conclude this video. 
And I'm definitely glad you guys tuned in. I hope I gave value. I hope I threw some nuggets out there. Um, I hope I gave you some gems. I appreciate you guys grinding hard. I'm always looking for new avenues to create uh, presence. And so continue to do that. Continue to be that face. You know, we going I'm and I'm going to be honest. I think um, I probably, as far as like with the whole credit repair thing, as soon as I can find a way to either weed my clients out, I, cause I got so many other projects I'm working on, man, I think, uh, with the legacy point boosters, credit repair, not the one of America. That's the one that got me like slam. Um, man, I got to figure out a kind of way to like weed people out or into some kind of do it yourself so that I can really walk on my purpose. Um, and and, I, and I've been realizing, too, man, because I've been getting some good coaching clients. Um, and I've just been feeling like, man, that's a conflict of interest of me still promoting and all of that. So, and, you know, I figured this thing out. Uh, Priscilla, you can I this group right here. So I gave this group right here access for the one on one coaching call. So you can book an hour one on one coaching call anytime you want. Uh, it's for one hour, so we'll be able to go over what strategy that you have. Because my regular ones is like six ninety seven, but for the people in this group, that one hour coaching strategy is only one ninety seven. Uh, you'll only be so. Don't try to. I know what some people are gonna do. Like, man, I'm, I'm gonna just book uh, for a month because this coaching program a thousand dollars a month, or so I book co for coaching. That's more. You probably don't want to do that. But yeah, so 197 for this group for a whole a full hour um, business blueprint coaching strategy we'll be able to go over. If you need a link, just inbox me. Ken, what's going on, bro? Said coach, don't take it easy on me. Oh no, you know I ain't gonna take it easy on you. Look, hey, your business audit wore me out, bro. Now nah, I'm messing with you. So, yeah, man, I appreciate all you guys. Uh, what's going on, Nate? He <laughs> said it better not. Well, all right. Well, I ain't, I ain't have any more questions. Love you guys. Love you guys. Love you guys.